This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast. Passes up to White, gets a screen from Gordon. On the top of the key, drives left side with the left hand off the glass. Good! Derek White with a splendid finish with the left hand. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Up top to Brown, far side wing. Brown trying to force a pass in, 15 seconds left on the shot clock. Fortune, near side corner, three-point shot. Good! It's third three-pointer from the near side corner. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Koningsberg and Jake Shapiro. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast, coming to you from somewhere in the middle of Texas. We're not exactly sure. We are traveling at about 90 miles per hour. We are in the back seat of Tyler Ziskin's car, and uh, we are, well, I'm Jake Shapiro. He's Ryan Koningsberg. This is the second coolest thing that's ever happened in Tyler's back seat. <laughs> Roaring start, roaring start. Uh, but yeah, we're in the middle of our road trip down to Texas. This will get posted later today. It's Tuesday. Uh, we'll be down there Wednesday and Thursday for content purposes only. And uh, strictly business. Strictly business. As we go to the Alawo Dome to see the Alawo Bowl. Uh, the Buffs playing Oklahoma State, of course. We were going to have a preview for that in this podcast as well as a review of the non-conference basketball season and uh, our best of 2016 because why not look at the bright side, you know, uh, which the bright side of today has been looking at a lot of desolate desert. It's not even desert yet. It's like desolate land. It's like just arid. There's just nothing. I've just been watching the birds. You got a T-shirt out of today. I just bought a $13 shirt because it said authentic brand and had a bird on it and said Colorado. So that's how my day is going. Uh, yeah. I've, I've now bought two shirts that I really like in New Mexico. The other one has not only a bird, but a buffalo and a wolf, which like, is so wildly on brand, I can't even explain it. Three greatest exports out of New Mexico, T-shirt one, T-shirt two, and Gucci tie. Yeah, this they should actually have like a thing, a sign that says like home of Tyler McCulloch. Notable a lo- notable person that left New Mexico. <laughs> Anyways, uh the Buffalo We actually might see Gucci tie down here in San Antonio. I think we're gonna make it happen. Yeah. Uh the Buffalo better, be, better be prepared for a cold front once he comes in. Oh god. <laughs> uh <laughs> The Buffaloes, and it does smell like that. Tyler, you are right. The Buffaloes are three-point favorites, I believe, as we sit here right now in the middle of Texas with no internet connection uh, in this game against Oklahoma State in the Alamo. It's a landfill that smelled so bad. I can't even say Alamo Bowl without saying Alawo now at this point. But the Alamo Bowl uh, in San Antonio. Ryan, the game features a very good passing team in Oklahoma State versus a very good pass defense team in the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, I guess that's probably the place to start because most people will start there. Uh, God, it doesn't smell so bad. (laughs) I've been in Texas for a total of like 10 parentheses, 10 minutes now, and it's terrible. Take me home. The smells are bigger in Texas, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think that's actually... One of the best matchups I feel good about for CU is that secondary going up against the passing offense of the Cowboys. This secondary, I mean, could easily be argue, be argued to be the best secondary in the country. I think all four of the main components of the secondary are going to end up in the NFL. So if you're the Buffs, you're actually feeling pretty good about the way things look on paper. Uh, but as you know with these bowl games... It usually comes down to a lot more than matchups. It's it's who's excited to be there, who worked hard during their off time, uh, and that's what makes bowl games so unpredictable to me. And I've been saying this for a while now, but I don't I don't know why. I just have a feeling that the Buffs got a little bit of air sucked out of them when they didn't make the Rose Bowl. Now maybe Coach McIntyre has worked a little bit of of his magic 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 Mike magic Mike to uh to kind of turn them around and get them back excited to play in this game uh but i think that really is what it comes down to which team wants to be here more now i don't necessarily know if oklahoma state's all fired up about playing in the alamo bowl either but i think it's going to be uh, an important an important 
kind of part of this game. Obviously, I can't tell you what it's like at the Oklahoma State practices, but I can tell you what it's like at the Colorado practices. And to me, the energy got sucked out of them after they beat Utah. They haven't had that same energy. I mentioned it to you in Santa. I mentioned it to you in Santa Clara um, that they didn't have that energy. I even mentioned that it seemed like they had that energy when they left the locker room in Santa Clara. But when they got back to practice, to me. The, the weeks before finals, the weeks during the, the week during finals and practices since, they just haven't had that energy. They haven't had that drive. They haven't had the desire or the will to win. And they're not the same team that they were, in my eyes, the week between Washington State and Utah that they are today. What do you think caused that? I think they were satisfied. You know, I think they bought into the hypes. So much of their mentality came from the attitude of, we're the underdogs. Everyone underestimated us. No one thought we could do this. Then they actually did it. Everyone bought in. And I think they kind of sat back like fat cats and, you know, they, they realized, hey, you know, maybe we are we are what everyone thinks we are now. And, and they bought into their own hype. Uh, I just you go back and I look at some of not to pick out Devin Ross uh, at all, uh, but I just mentioned him because I interviewed him this past week and the way he was phrasing things compared to the way he was phrasing things a month ago, because I interviewed Devin Ross often because he's very nice to me, uh, it it doesn't seem like he has that same energy, and it didn't seem, and, and that's the same for everyone on the team. It does; they don't have that, and and it's this inev- it's this inevitable. What what's the word? Inevitable? No, not inevitable. Like <laughs> a word that means you can't put a like a finger on it. Like it's just say that. Yes. <laughs> It's this attitude, and, and they don't have it right now, and, and, and they've had it all year. It's the welcome to the fight attitude. It's all this, and, and they just have lacked it all bowl season. You know, Wednesday and Thursday in practice this week, they legitimately had to restart practice after a half an hour practice uh, because they just didn't bring it. Uh, and you go out and you talk to the players off the field, and it's not the same, you know, you know what uh putting my head down i don't want to hear any of this noise none of you believed in me i'm happy to be out here wherever i am it's this yeah i'm living it up i'm a division one college football player and that has completely changed in terms of mentality from the colorado buffaloes we we have breaking news we've been seeing this this billboard all throughout our trip that said free 72 on steak but we could never read the fine print and now we're finally close enough to say that you have to eat the 72-ounce steak in one hour. I think Tyler could do it. As I said earlier, the steak is the size of me. It's a Jake steak. It's a Jake steak. But it's interesting, back on topic here, I think you're, you're spot on there. And I hate to say this, but it's hard for me to blame them. Uh, now, I can go back and blame them for coming out flat in the Pac-12 championship game because that to me just didn't make sense you still had so much on the line there now that that kind of fell apart and you you reached this i mean the alamo bowl is a, is a good bowl to play in but in all reality what separates the alamo bowl from the bahamas bowl or the dollar tree bowl i was hoping you weren't going to say belk bowl because i know what separates <laughs> it from the belk bowl what's that uh, well, three hours in time difference in a great Twitter account. <laughs> so I can kind of see why you'd get the air sucked out of you. But I think there's always a chance that when these guys, you know, put on the uniform, that when you walk, when they walk into that locker room on Thursday, they're, re- they're going to have that realization this is the last time they're ever going to put on a Colorado uniform for a lot of these guys, you know, the Cepho Lufaus of the world who I – doubt is one of the people who has you know seen his attitude change but a lot of these guys are going to say okay it's time to turn it back on now the question is does this team have the ability to turn it back on because that's something you know you would end up regret regretting later later in life that you didn't prepare and you didn't bring it the last time you were able to put on the uniform and that's something that could be happening on the Oklahoma State side as well. I mean, they got their hearts torn out uh, losing to Oklahoma right before the end of the season. They would have gone to, what, the Sugar Bowl? 
Uh, they went to Bedlam. <laughs> Took a little nap. Nice. <laughs> and they went. That, that was a better pun than I anticipated. Uh, but yeah, you know, it could be the same story on both sides of the ball. But like I said, I, I can't tell you what it is like inside of the Cowboys' practices. What I can tell you is what I know from inside of the Buffs' practices and what I've heard. And it says everything to me that a lot of fans went out and bought Pac-12 South Champ shirts when it had happened. It wasn't just the players that went, this was enough. It was every fan, even to me, some of the coaches' social media, it felt like it felt like they had achieved what they had set out to, even though their goal at the start of the season was Pac-12 champs. To me, what that meant was Pac-12 championship game, not Pac-12 champions. Because after they beat Utah, everything changed in terms of the way they approached every single day, every single minute that they are football players at the University of Colorado. Yeah. Uh, what's your feeling on that? Because I wouldn't personally never wear a shirt that said we fell short. Like, because by wearing a Pac-12 champion shirt, you're admitting, like, or a Pac-12 South champion shirt, you're, like, you definitely wouldn't wear that if they won the Pac-12 outright. So you're basically saying, like, hey, we got second place. Like, it's the same thing as, like, seeing, like I've seen Broncos fans that wear, like, 2013 AFC champions, and I'm just like, what? Here's like, my, here are my feelings on it. So uh, the Blackhawks uh, have a rivalry with the Vancouver Canucks. One year, the Vancouver Canucks won the President's Trophy, which was awarded to the team in the NHL that gets the most points in the regular season. That year, the Blackhawks beat the Canucks in the playoffs and went on to win the Stanley Cup. My brother, a Blackhawks fan, has a Vancouver Canucks President's Trophy shirt. That is savage. Yes. I mean, Joe, you know my brother. Joey actually is, like, really savage. Like, 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 like ten times what is on my social media. Not the one that's public. That's awesome. That makes me want to go do stuff like that. Right. Like, if I'm, like, a Washington <laughs> fan two years from now, I'm rocking that T-shirt when, like, I come into Folsom Field. Yeah, that's amazing. So that's my feelings on that. And, I mean, I would never wear the shirt of my team that fell short. I think it's a little bit different in baseball because the pennant means so much. And even even I would have – like, I have a Western Conference, uh, like, final shirt between the Hawks and the Kings the year the Hawks wa- lost – I think having that shirt's different, like the Rose Bowl, like if the Buffs are playing in the Rose Bowl, or even if we go to the Alamo Bowl and get an Alamo Bowl t-shirt, I think that's a little bit different. But having the shirt that legitimately says, you came short, yeah, and that's pretty weak. Yeah, if you're going to wear a shirt that you want to like kind of encapsulate the season, I would head on over to the Blake Street Tavern and get one of those The Rise shirts because those are sick, and everyone is always going to associate – the rise with this season now of course winning the Pac-12 South is a big part of the rise and it was a great thing for this team I think that is some that's like a better way of kind of putting this season in a showcase yeah there's so many ways to do it and you know we haven't mentioned but we are sponsored by the Blake Street Tavern uh we're on the road, so we couldn't do the podcast there. Uh, but we're also sponsored by the Colorado Keg House, and that's who our first segment is brought to you by. They are in Broomfield right next to the First Bank Center with 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. And, man, I am missing those Colorado craft beers right now. They are the home for Colorado craft beer, from wheat beers to nitros to IPAs to owls. Nobody, oh, oh, good, try. Man. good try. Nobody does craft beer like the Colorado Keg House. You can sit at their huge bar, their tables, or their lounge area, but no matter where you sit, you'll be in front of a TV with sports on. So next time you're looking for something to do, go down to the Colorado Keg House off Wadsworth and 36 in Broomsfield. I'm never going to say Broomfield again. Good try. I do Broomsfield on purpose, and you know that, right? What like what what inspires you to do that? It's man's, but like Broomsfield <laughs> because like Brooms Broomsfield is the man's of like area towns around Boulder. I was thinking like we're getting a good speaking of man's, we're getting a good tour of the the country's sands. We went to Santa Clara. Now we're going to San Antonio. Whose sands is this? <laughs> we went to San Jose, too. Oh, we did. We can rank. We could do sans ranked after this trip. We might have to. It's, can we put, like... Santa? Can we, <laughs> can we put Sam in there with, the, like, a parentheses around the M? Like, Sammy with the good picks? Sammy with the good picks. Yeah, or Sam. Uh, I guess. I don't know where she falls in the rankings. Well, an M and an N are close. Are there any other sands we can hit up? Guys? Uh, any other sands? Sand dunes. Oh, there we go. 
<laughs> There's one. We were close. Uh, anyone in Colorado? Isn't there like a San something San mountain range? Oh, there's the San Andreas, Andreas fault. fault. Got Can't fault us for not going there yet. Uh, <laughs> I swear there's someone, uh, my uh, geography of Colorado teacher from senior year of college that passed me uh, generously would be disappointed that I don't remember the San Mountain Range in Colorado. Quick fun fact about Chap. I won my seventh grade geography B. Nice. Good geography guy. That's a smart and good geography boy. I actually won the fourth grade spelling bee. Yeah, I couldn't spell. I still can't spell. You can't. Uh, oh, we forgot. About, I have been Santa Monica. Santa Monica's my number one San. That's a, easily. Yeah. No, I hate Santa. Santa's probably my last San. Jake's anti Christmas brand is definitely his worst brand. I can't be pro Christmas. I'm yes, Jewish. You, you can't like. It's not an actual, it's not really a religious holiday when it boils down to it. Everything about it, I hate. The stores are closed for no reason for me. <laughs> Ziskin's dying up there. You're ridiculous. We're going to crash the car because of my <laughs> my anti-Christmas brand. Uh, anyways, we're going to go back to the Cowboys. Uh, we just saw some Cowboys. We, we just did. saw some legitimate Cowboys. They uh, were New Mexico Cowboys. They though. were New Mexican Cowboys. They were Aggies. Is that what they call them? I don't know. Because, like, New Mexico State Aggies and their thing is a, a cowboy. This is the Facebook of podcasts. People don't come here for facts. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> people come here to hear our angry rants about Frontier Airlines. <laughs> Fake news, baby. Let's go. Uh, how do you feel about Mike Gundy's hair? I think it's awesome. Like, it's so stupid. And it's, like, but it's such a good brand. That just, like, makes him so recognizable. Like, if you're going to be an average white guy, like, what's what's to make... What's what's different between Gary Anderson, Mike McIntyre, and Mike Gundy? Nothing until you grow a mullet. And so now you have something to fall back on as, like, yeah, well, I'm the, I'm the mullet guy. Like, I'm not just the other boring white guy. See... As someone who had a mullet, I will say uh, I am a fan of anyone that can try and pull off the look. It takes a lot of balls. But Mike Gundy's mullet is bad. It is not a good mullet. See, I, I think you're wrong there. He's going for, like, the full-on 80s mullet, not the, like, new age, like, really making this, like, a nice fade on the sides mullet. I don't like the old 80s. Like, he, he was, like, 80s, like, southern mullet, though. Like, that's yes. too trashy for me. Like, like I love the 80s white trash hockey. Mullet. Right, like, I love the 80s hockey mullet. See, like, yeah, you got like you like the too low mullet. Exactly. What about the Gucci tie mullet? Gucci tie mullet is one of my favorite mullets. Top five mullet. I agree. Mullets ranked. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I, got, I appreciate Mike Gundy for trying to be different because, in reality, like every college football coach is just a boring white guy. Like, so like you either have khakis or a mullet, whatever is your thing, then at least it gives you like. It helps people remember who you are. Or in the case of one famous Kansas coach, you are fatter than the mascot. Yes, but he's not there anymore. Who That's coaches Kansas these days? Does anyone know who coaches Kansas? <laughs> he's the only coach Well, I don't think... David Beatty. David Beatty. It's been taking a Beatty. Beatty <laughs> media. Uh, but, hey, here's a thing that will actually matter for the game. The turnover battle. Uh... Uh, Oklahoma State under Mike Gundy, I believe, is sixty and eight when they win the turnover battle in games. Colorado, but Colorado hasn't forced a turnover in a postseason game in over ten years. Yeah, so that's that's a huge problem. <laughs> it's a drought of all droughts. I was waiting for like that platy statistic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but seriously though, they what was the the streak ended last? Uh, well, I don't know. What do I call it? Last see, month. You're gonna say the streak ended last whatever that game was <laughs> but here's the thing starting next season the in the, the first page of the media notes will be Colorado has a 23 straight regular season game turnover streak or whatever it was like 24 I or love manipulating statistics I, I don't, how do you feel about this this is another sports thing we're in the backseat of a car for 14 hours so why not uh 
postseason stats, should they count to regular season stats? 100%. So, like, Babe Ruth should have, like, 30 more home runs. Yeah, because you helped er- – like, it's not – you earned your way into the postseason one way or another. You're a reason that you're there, and that should help boost your statistics. Here's my problem with it. It actually, I think, diminishes your st- your statistics because you're playing a higher quality of competition. So, like, your batting average would go down. Your sh- shooting percentage in basketball would go down. But, like, uh, someone like LeBron James has played, like, more than an extra season's worth of postseason games in his career. So, like, your statistics are taken down because of that and, like, your in – in the end, your career ends up being shorter because you played so many more games. No doubt. And – but I also think on the other side that looking at it this way, like in baseball, there only used to be the World Series, and now there's several rounds of the playoffs. In basketball, NHL, football, same way. You know, there used to yeah, be. Yeah, but then you're gonna you can say like, well, basketball, there used to not be a three point line, so let's not count three pointers in the statistics. Yeah. Like the, it's always gonna be impossible to compare statistics across eras because. Everything changes. I was uh, with I was riding next to Pat Rooney for the Air Force game, and I asked him how to stylize and one correctly because I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just like, I don't know. I just say three the hard way. Or three the old, <laughs> three the old, three the old, <laughs> or three the old school way. I liked it when he said three the hard way. I was like, <laughs> Yes, Pat Rooney, let's get it. That's awesome. It is awesome. Uh, hey, time for another podcast read. Uh, let me find it. There's no internet, so it takes a second. Really getting uh, you got good stuff. You know, speaking of, uh, you know, the audience is probably not staying locked on this podcast right now. Uh. Speaking of locks, Colorado Safe Outlet. Colorado Safe Outlet has the largest selection of safes in Colorado. Don't waste your time at big box retailers looking at safes that don't suit your needs. Instead, come to the Colorado Safe Outlet where an expert will set you up with exactly what you need no matter what you want. No more, no less. Once you pick the perfect safe, they will deliver it to your home. Set. God, I was so close. Fast and easy. Check them out online at coloradosafeoutlet.com or visit them at one of two locations in Centennial or Stapleton. And honestly, like if you're in trouble... Heading over to that store is always like a safe outlet from your troubles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't got anything else. Do we have anything else to talk about on Oklahoma State? Do you have any other points you can bring up? Well, we covered the mullet and the fact that they pass a lot. Uh, we, we, didn't, we talked about Rudolph, the red-nosed quarterback, last week. Yeah, I think we covered it. All right. Well, basketball time then. Uh, Ryan, wait, never mind. But let me think of something else <laughs> to talk about about Oklahoma State. You knew it was coming. What's that? Oh yeah, Oki Light. Oki Light. Yeah, you like. You gotta fight. You gotta fight back. You can't just like let that happen to you. I agree, Tyler. What that their nickname is Oki Light. Oh, this is the most entertaining thing we've seen in Texas. There's a fire. <laughs> is it a tire fire? Is it a tire fire? No, that's just Colorado State in the Idaho Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) It was a real lemon of an effort. What? Because, you know, it was a different kind Uh, of... They got fried. (laughs) And mashed. They they put on a performance that the French army wouldn't even be proud of. You're trying to go for French fries? Uh, Yeah, Yeah, that's bad. bad. That was bad and dumb. (laughs) I'm an idiot. Uh, I'm just glad we talked about basketball for a few less seconds. Well, we're transitioning from the orange football costumes to the orange basketball rock. (laughs) Good transition, baby. Let's go. We've got uh, the basketball team. I believe they're 10 and 3. 10 and 3. Just Just like like the the football team. team. And uh, which one are you more excited about, the 10 and 3 Hoopers or the 10 and 3 Footballsters? Uh, I'm going to go with the Costume Strong Boys. Costume Strong Boys. I like the Costume Tall Boys myself, but they have been <laughs> very disappointing. Uh, and I don't know. They, I was. I, I know Tyler was at the Eastern Washington game. Ryan watched it on TV. He didn't watch the 19-2 start. He flipped on his TV after the fact. So he's actually the reason why Colorado won that game. Wait, they were down 19-2? to 
Yes, they were down 19-2 to to start that game. Holy cow. They had some man that yeah, started with a B. Yeah, is that dude like a leaguer or what? Bogdan? Is he a, He'll play. He's not as good as Bogdan Bogdanovich. Bummer. He'll play in a league, but not the league. Imagine being the second best Bogdan. <laughs> really bogged. Really bogged down by that name. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so nineteen to two. Takes. I've just never in like like I said, like when I couldn't tell you the last time I didn't watch a a part of a Colorado basketball game. I just I've never seen a team. That was so uninspiring. Like, nothing they do inspires anything to in anyone. It's just boring and sloppy and uninspired. That's all I can think of when I see it. I'm just like, ugh. Like, it's like, it's like when you've been with a girl for, like, a long oh time. Oh, my God, shut up. <laughs> I think good, long relationships are healthy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a comment on that. But, hey, you know, I, I think the basketball team has been utterly disappointing. We talked about it a little bit last week. But, you know, every time someone's like, you know, Shap, look at the numbers, you know, they're not as bad as you say they are. All you have to do, in my opinion, is look at the actual performances of the team, and you can tell that they just don't really want to play. They, they just – I've never seen it with a team that – especially with as much veteran leadership that just – they don't have it in any way, shape, or form. They just don't come to play basketball. It's the weirdest, strangest thing. Like, are they burnt? I mean, like, before the season, I remember saying, like, they have four players with 20 years of experience on a college basketball. Like, are they just bo- burnt out of playing college? Like, they're just bored of it now? I mean, how could you be? I don't know. I'm just, I'm searching for answers because in the, in the end here, what's important to keep in mind is they are 10-3. and three. They do have, you know, good defensive numbers, and they have the talent to be a good basketball team. So, I, you know, there's always that sliver of, of, of belief in you that oh, maybe they can turn this around if they can find the answers to what's going on. And I think Tad Boyle is, you know, probably sitting at his desk as we speak, just pounding his head on it, saying, what can I possibly – how can I reach these kids? How can I reach these kids? <laughs> you know, like – like what does he have to do to get through to these men and really like inspire them to play Colorado basketball because it just feels like they're playing in slow motion and each guy is worried about himself. I mean, watch a watch the tape on this team on the fast break and find me a time where they made the extra pass, not back out to the perimeter. I mean, really went to the rack, left it off, and got an easy bucket. It's every man for themselves out there, it feels like. And it's unfortunate to see because they should be such a tightly knit team with how long they've all been together. I mean, looking around the Pac-12, though, UCLA has really been the only team that stood out thus far. I mean, yes, Colorado's been bad and has been so disappointing, but I really don't think they're in a bad spot. That CSU loss is really going to hurt them. But I still don't think that they're in a bad spot in terms of the Pac-12 and in terms of uh, March. What's up with CSU fans getting, like, insanely butthurt over Tad Boyle continually talking about how that was a bad loss when it's, like, a really, really bad loss? What else do they have? <laughs> I agree. I, I, they, have, they have that Matt Stevens column. That's, it's that and then being upset about Tad Boyle talking about CSU. They have to be angry about something. It's crazy to me. Like, I feel like they think he's going out of his way to take a shot at CSU, and I wish that were the case because that would be hilarious. But he's really just calling it like it is, as, as Tad Boyle always does. That's a bad basketball team, and they lost to them. It doesn't matter if it's you know Texas State, Colorado State, or San Diego State. It, it, and if they're bad and you lose to them, you're going to just call it like it is afterwards. That – that loss is going to kill them when Colorado State's RPI comes in. You know, Tyler will know this better than me, but in the 200s, surely, at the end of the season. You know, uh, Tyler, can you confirm that? That would be high. Okay. Let's go with 150 to 175. 150 to 175. But 
Utah, I mean, he still talks about the Utah game from over a year ago, or almost a, a year ago now. I mean, granted, Utah's a good team, but, like, how much that hurt to lose at home. So there's that aspect, too. Tad Boyle, since he got to Boulder, has always talked about running the table at home. And they've yet to do it still. And it kills him every time they lose a game at home. You know, he loses legitimate sleep over it because he doesn't feel like they should lose on that floor. Now, that's a lot of that idea started when there was actually a home court advantage in the Coors Event Center, and now just no one goes to the games. So I don't know if he still has that same feeling about the home court advantage, but really he's, he's pretty passionate about the fact that they should not lose to anybody in the country in, on you know the Sox-Walseth court. I think we talked about this a little bit, but why is nobody going? Because it's boring. Like, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? Gosh, I don't, I don't know. They're... Chicken Little. <laughs> Tyler chimes in with Chicken Little. Like if I had said, like, hey, you want to watch Chicken Little twice a week? Would you go? No, because it's boring, and watching this basketball team is boring. So I don't, you know. When the team is good, I always say, like, what are you doing? Why aren't you supporting them? When the team's actually really bad, I say, like, come on. Like, they need your support. Like, this is what being a fan is. It's being there for your team. But when they're just boring, I can't really blame anyone. You know, you got to rally the the kids together, and you got to go deal with the one, the two-lane road that gets into the stadium and the traffic. And, you know, you, it just – I understand the thought of just like, eh, I'm just going to take this one in on the couch because I've done it multiple times this season. It's like, oh, I don't have to work it. Well, you know, why am I going to drive an hour from Centennial up to Boulder to watch them play lackluster basketball against Eastern Washington? This is the second time in the last four hours you have sounded extremely old. Really? Yes. What was the other time? Uh, When you were complaining at Panera about other people being old. (laughs) That made me old? You sounded old, yes. What did I say? And not having your food served to you. <laughs> you. Yeah, you're not having your food served to you. <laughs> it's true. I mean, like, what's up with Panera, right? Am I right? <laughs> God. Not even... I prefer Pantera over Panera. Pantera. I don't get the reference. It's banned. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the mid-2000s were lit. Uh, anyways... Uh, I think that was like the... I think it's like 90s metal. Two of the guys I think that have been extremely disappointing this year have been George King and uh, Wesley Gordon. Both guys, I believe, that were going to be a lot better than what they were. Josh Fortune has been bad, but I didn't really expect him to be like as good as anyone thought. He, his defense has been a little bit more lackluster than I had initially thought, and his shooting hasn't been there. Uh, Derek White hasn't been as good as advertised yet, but you got to give him some slack because he's not getting much from anyone else. And it's hard to it's hard for me to say. I mean, he's still been good. He's been really good. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, for being a Division two transfer who comes up to play in the Pac-12, I realize I haven't played a Pac-12 game yet, but to come up and play a high major D1 basketball, he's the best player on the team. So, in yeah. that sense, to me, he's he's been as advertised. Yeah, I think. But I, t- I realize. It doesn't look very good because one, he's not—he hasn't taken over any games, and two, actually, he's taken over a couple. But two, the, the team is just playing bad, so it's going to kind of water down anything anyone does. But do remember that Derek White has been the best player on the bas- on the on the floor for this team. I was talking to a source that uh, played on the team pretty recently, and he talked about some of the conversations he had with Derek and. And how Derek should approach this season. One of the things he told Derek is that he should wait to start taking over the game over games until Pac-12 season. He should try and get everyone into the flow, into the rhythm of the season. And uh, then he said to me, "But I think the time has come for Derek to start doing that. You know, whether or not it was Pac-12 season or not, because it might be even overdue, is what he said. Because this team." It's just been he's so disappointed in the team. You know, everyone's disappointed in this team. And uh, just talking to people in-house and, and the people around this team, and they are searching for answers. And, and that's maybe 
the most curious part about this at this point because last year you asked what was wrong with the team. Tad Boyle would tell you, free throw box outs. This year, there's like a list of like 15 things that you can't even like wrap your head around why they're issues. Like why is three-point shooting an issue with this team? It makes no sense. Almost everyone on the floor can shoot the ball from. I mean, even even Wesley Gordon, now he's not even shooting them anymore. When last year he was proving to at least, you know, force the defense to honor him while he's out there. So it's so odd. I mean, George King has been pretty inconsistent from out there. Josh Fortune is passing them up when they're open. Dom Collier's been your, you know, your your best shooter on the perimeter in the limited action he's seen. So it's uh, the laundry list of things they have to fix is is off the charts, and I'm just kind of wondering what more can Tad Boyle do at this point? Is there something he can do, or is it going to take something for them that I just don't know if they're capable of? I think it's so obviously the players. Oh, and me is. and you talked about that a little bit, but the it. I don't, and I try to get into this a little say bit. It, all, it always comes back to the coach in one way or another, and I just don't know if that's always the case. I try to get into this a little bit, but, like, what is going on with Wesley Gordon? I, I don't understand. What do you mean? It's the same thing that's always gone on with Wesley Gordon. But I just expected him to step up a little bit, I guess, especially with Josh leaving. And I think I warned in the preseason podcast that it's just not going to happen. Like, guys are just who they are, and at a certain point, especially four years in, you just have to realize that it's just not in his blood. Because at this point, you're basically relying upon XJ to get your baskets from inside. And that's not in a position I think you wanted to be in starting the season. Definitely not. I mean, you wanted XJ to be a contributor in there. Uh, and I think he's done a nice job uh, of kind of getting points in the paint. Yeah, I think actually he's been pretty good. Yeah, putting his back to the basket and, you know, taking advantage of his his size that go along with his skill set. But, uh, you know, at what point, like, Wesley Gordon should just stop shooting with his left hand completely. It's too, it's too late now. You're not figuring that out. Uh, and he just – he's not – when have you – have you ever seen – Wes Gordon throws ass into someone and command the ball. Ever. Never. It's never happened. He's too passive. It's never once happened where he fought for position and and commanded the ball, said, give me the ball. And you used to see Josh do it all the time, and when he didn't get it, he'd be pissed. But then he'd go work, go to the other side of the paint, and work for another touch. You're just never going to get that out of Wesley Gordon, no matter what. And... I don't, and I don't think Tad Boyle expected it coming into this season either. So I don't know if that's the problem. You're gonna get Wes just doing Wes. He's gonna you know get he's gonna get rebounds. He's gonna be good uh, at blocking shots on the help side, and he's you know he's a good on ball defender. But you're never gonna get anything more than that out of Wes. You're not gonna you're just not gonna get an offensive threat out of him. But come the next few weeks, especially when you're going to need a big man in Pac-12 play, they're going to have to rely a lot on outside scoring. They, Who's going to score from the inside? And that's the biggest issue is you either have Derek White driving. That's that's your basically only rely or XJ in the mid-range. Those are your basically only two, re, two reliable ways of getting inside points. Yeah, and that's they're going to feed West, and he's probably going to get a couple looks a night. Maybe get six to eight points, but it's this offense, and that's and that's one of the reasons they aren't shooting the three as well. They're not getting those inside-out baskets that you just got all the time with Josh Scott when he's commanding double teams down in the post. I mean, it took him a long time to get it down, but he became a great passer out of the double team at towards the end of his career. And you know, guys like George King, Josh Fortune, Dom Collier. Etc. We're all getting really good looks because teams were scrambling to double team Josh Scott. Well, they don't have that anymore, and I think that's one of the main reasons you're seeing such a thing. I was going to do midseason awards, but I don't think anyone deserves anything, so I'm gonna not. Derek White MVP. Yeah, that's that's it. And uh, Tad Boyle, coach of the Buffaloes. That's it. <laughs> Tad Boyle, coach of the year. Uh, 
But if you are traveling downtown to watch the Nuggets or Avs play, a good basketball team and a terrible hockey team, from the Lincoln Light Rail Station, you need to stop by the Clock Tower Grill first and get your pregame on. Didn't that hockey team uh, beat the hockey team you support recently? In overtime, the Hawks still got a point. Uh-huh. It's not It's not a real loss. It's, it's an L. It's an OTL. It's an L. It's still, you still are making progress in the standings. How is it an L? I don't care. You... you claim that they're the good guys and they're they were the bad guys they're the best team in the nhl but they lost to the worst and will it matter when the blackhawks are hoisting the stanley cup (laughs) definitely not exactly from the lincoln light rail station you need to stop off the clock tower grill three dollar long islands on monday 75 cent wings on wednesday and three dollar shots on friday best believe i'll remind you about it though there's no better place to start your event than the clock tower grill and i'll be reminding you about the cubs winning the world series too Remember, go to the Clock Tower Grill before you jump on that Lincoln Light Rail station before heading downtown. It's okay. Ian Desmond and the Rockies are going all the way this year. I have to cover that team. Oh, my God. Alexi Amarista. Yes. You have no idea how many AAA jokes I made in the BSN Rocky Slack Room. There we go. So many. Speaking of so many, there are so many RVs down at the Dumas RV Palace. Don't be a Dumas. Stop off at the Dumas RV Palace and do not talk to our competitors it is the perfect place to stop off if you're driving 90 miles per hour between amarillo and somewhere else and uh you got to stop off there it is the perfect place to stop off and get your rv fix on i don't know what yeah. RVs are our rv gonna do this podcast are we are <laughs> we are going to continue this podcast uh we promised you it best of 2016 uh, we've got a bunch of different categories. Uh, we're going to start off with best album of 2016. Ryan, I'll let you begin. I I had to give the nod to Chance the Rapper for uh, Coloring Book. To me, it was really cover to cover brilliance. So, I, and uh, after we do best song, I'm going to get. Uh, it's going to look like I'm a big hip hop guy, which I I respect hip hop, but. It's not like my go-to all the time, but I think it was a really good year for hip-hop. Yeah, it was a great year for hip-hop, and I had a hard time not putting Kendrick's album as my best album. I just had to omit that. Uh, an album I fell in love with recently, Prima Donna by Vince Staples, I think it's going to be my best rap album of the year. I really love Chance's and Kanye's albums, but I love that album by Vince Staples. I also loved Car Seat Headrest's Teens of Denial, uh, which is a really good indie uh album if you haven't heard i liked uh, everything done by neutral milk hotel <laughs> in 1991 <laughs> or whenever they released their album uh best song for me of the year fml by kanye west i love that song okay well i went uh off the same album and i gave it to ultralight beam uh that is just like an anthem to me you extremely positive me extremely negative yeah right exactly uh kind of sums us up Exactly. Let's see. Uh, best Buffs-related memory. Let's go to that one. Uh, what's that for you? Uh, I just, as a whole, uh, as advertised on this podcast before the season, Cepho's Revenge Tour. It's pretty fun. Won over the hearts of many. Uh, my best memory for the Buffs this year was the night we spent at Blake Street Tavern when the Buffs beat University of Oregon. That night was a lot of fun. See, I did that for, for best moment. Oh, my best moment was Cubs winning the World Series. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, the mo- we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but that that day, that fateful day at the Blake Street Tavern when Akella Witherspoon intercepted Dakota Prukop, if I think that's who was still the quarterback for them at that point, uh, in the end zone, and all hell broke loose in the tailgate room at Blake Street Tavern. There was many a damage done to the furniture there and it was awesome it was awesome uh we do not encourage that type of damage be done to the Blake Street Tavern however yeah for now for now for now uh best video of 2016 best video uh most people aren't gonna understand this but if you know Jake and I on a personal level you know that we have a weird obsession with Brandon Wardell and uh, he did this video of some people, like, giving him good publicity, and he was just eating cereal and, like, looking at the camera. You're, this is t- you, you won't understand it unless you go find it, but it, it, to me it was the most amazing thing of 2016, maybe. My best video is RK Golf's, the video we made, uh, which is Ryan 
golfing uh, at a golf course, we will name unnameless <laughs> um, because we are sure they were not happy about that. But hey, it was a lot of fun. That was a great video, really corny. Uh, if but you haven't seen it and want to, tweet at us asking for it. We will definitely tweet it back at you. Uh, best brand of 2016, Brandon Wardell. Uh, that's a that's a that's that's a layup. Uh, Trill Ballin's close second though. Wait, but you have to get like he has multiple brands. The function. Okay. I mean, the, I, the memory memorized tweet. Can I say it? Can I just do it? What's the? Is there any bad word other than? Well, celibate's not bad. <laughs> no. Okay. Celibacy gang, roll up to the function with absolutely zero. You already did it wrong. You say it then. It's celibacy gang. We ain't ever having sex. Roll up to the function with absolutely zero hoes. All we care about is friendship. <laughs> the greatest tweet of 2016. Uh, I said best brand of 2016 is Allie Hates Puns. Good, solid brand. Uh, really put her on the map. Or, or, you know, the brand in the brand scheme of things. The brand <laughs> Put her on the map. Uh, hey, here we go. A lot of people died in 2016. Who is your best death? That's messed up, bro. Um, my best death was DJ Khaled's Snapchat. Yeah, thank God that ended in 2015. <laughs> I think we, we had a big hand in killing it. We definitely ruined a lot of it. Uh, my, honestly, the thing about you and me is like we get on it early and we get off it early. We were on it two weeks before everyone else and off it like a month before anyone else was off it. Yeah, exactly. Like people were asking me if I had like a mental condition <laughs> yes, when I was same. doing that stuff. Same, exactly. We're like, are you okay? Why do you keep saying we the best? And like, <laughs> and by the time we were done with it, like a lot of people were just figuring it out. Right, we were way off it by, by the time people were moving. My best death of 2016: the Golden State Warriors blowing a 3-1 lead with the unanimous MVP. There you go. Tyler Ziskin's pumping his fists up top. Uh, how about this one? Uh, best memory of 2016. My personal best memory is going to have to be uh, going out to another San, but another one that we've also gone to uh, in this last month. But going out to Santa Clara the first time in 2016 uh, for the Super Bowl, obviously the first Super Bowl I ever covered, only a few months into um, my gig covering the Broncos. Uh, between the actual experience of it all, the, the Super Bowl itself, and uh, the nightlife of a Super Bowl, it was an all-around memory that I'll certainly never forget. Yeah, I mean, I, on a work side, first full season covering a professional baseball team, which is what I want to do, that was amazing in so many different ways. Uh, Friend-wise, great year 2016. Everyone keeps talking about how trash your year 2016 was. 2016 was fantastic. I, I honestly only took W's in 2016. Yeah, like I didn't take – the only L I took was the Blackhawks in the, in the playoffs this year. Like, legitimately everything else went my way in 2016. Yep. I, I, I have zero complaints about 2016. Yeah. Uh, Bowie dying was a big loss. But he made his – that album, one of the best albums in 2016, too. He made his, he made his death a piece of art, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, way to go out, Bowie. Uh, best story you wrote or told or did in oh, 2016. This was- this was about me? Yeah, it was supposed to be. Oh, I thought it was, like, best story told by anyone. That could work, I guess. Um, I'll start with that. And here's a fun fact about me. Uh, I think I'm obsessed with Paul Klee. So basically anything that he wrote was my best thing. But especially his story uh, on Phil Lindsay and Darian Hagen and kind of the the, the uh, relationship there right before the Pac-12 championship, I thought it was just fantastically told. Um, but, again, it's like it'd be like – you know, asking me what my favorite win of my favorite team was. Like, they're they're all good. Wow. Can't narrow it down. Well, I have an easy one. Oh, uh, for my personal stories? Yeah. You go, and I'll think of mine. Okay. My personal favorite story that I told this year was the story I did about the uh, seventh grader that caught the longest home run ball in Coors Field that history. That was cool, yeah. A uh, kid named Mike Lewis. Uh, from Lawrence, Kansas, caught a 504-foot home run ball. Is anyone from Lawrence, Kansas not named Mike Lewis? Uh, I think you'd know better than me. <laughs> it's true. I like I like Lawrence. It's a good town. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so that was that was probably my favorite story told this year. I got to go interview a little, you know young kid and, and tell his story, which was a lot different than athlete that has media training talking to you. Uh, just 
you know, you're telling an actual story, which was which was fun. I, I think I know what your best story told of 2016 is, and I'm gonna say that well, it hasn't been published yet. Well, that that could be the banger of the year right there. Uh, where I'm working on it as we speak here in this in this car in the middle of Texas, but um, in truly telling a story. Uh, I told a story about a young kid and his mother oh, that was uh, a great who one. do triathlons together. And uh, it's really cool when you spend so much time around these, like kind of like you said, when you spend so much time around professional athletes uh, and coaches and you, you, you're fed cliches so often, it's really cool to kind of break away from the chain and go talk to, you know, people with a real story to tell with a you know it's not about a game or or whatever and 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 to be honest a lot of these athletes do have amazing stories and and those are fun to tell too but it was there's something special about just telling the story telling the story of you know a mother and her child and and kind of the relationship they had built um due to the challenges that he faced so that one was really fun for me and i and i took a lot of time to work on it yeah, just like you're taking a lot of time to work on this one. This has been, what, a month and a half in the making? I think about a month. Yep, it's going to be a good one, folks, and hopefully it'll be released around the next 24 hours whenever this podcast is released, but that's all we have time. Well, it's not actually all we have time for. We have actually like eight more hours. Uh, if you want us to keep going, hit us up on Twitter, and we might we could do another podcast because this will be released and we'll be on Twitter. Well, we can do like a Periscope from in the car. Yeah, we could do that. We could do an AMA. We'll do whatever you want. We're literally getting off on an exit now. We're tools for your amusement. But, yeah, we're about to have lunch with Tyler Ziskin, so we're going to stop omitting our friend from talking to us for an hour at a time. So thanks for listening to the BSM Buffs podcast. Follow all of our content along from San San Antonio. There's another sand. Yeah, we said it already. Uh, Ryan Konigsberg will be there. Me, Jake Shapiro will be there. Chase Howell's there. Sam Sam Weaver's there. We've got a whole team coverage there. So stay tuned for coverage from that. Uh, For the BSM Buffs podcast, uh, that is all we have. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Uh, We're going to play around with the scheduling a little bit now that it's basketball season, so just stay tuned. We'll see you soon.